May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture this morning is from the 8th chapter of Mark, verses 31 to 36. Then Jesus began to teach them that the promised one had to suffer much, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and religious scholars, be put to death, and rise again three days later. Jesus said these things quite openly. Peter then took him aside and began to take issue with him. At this, Jesus turned around and eyeing the disciples, reprimanded Peter, Get out of my sight, you Satan. You are judging by human standards rather than by God's. Jesus summoned the crowd and the disciples and said, If you wish to come to me, you must deny your very self. Take your cross and follow my footsteps. If you would save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. What would you gain if you were to win the whole world but lose yourself in the process? Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and minds be wholly acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. For such a short passage of scripture, there's a lot going on, particularly a lot that I would like to avoid, um, picking up crosses and such. But the first part is perhaps the most perplexing, what Jesus saying, He's going to suffer death and die in Jerusalem as he's going towards that. And in three days he'll be raised again. But, you know, Peter has friends. And what do we do when our friends start um, talking doom and gloom? Snap out of it, which always works, right? <laughs> like, you know, you're having a bout of depression and you're your friends say, snap out of it. Like, if it were that easy, I would have done it, right? <laughs> um, but quit this defeatist rhetoric, Jesus. And Jesus, instead of thanking Peter for helping him work out his difficulties, calls him a Satan that acts not out of human judgment, but rather that acts out of human judgment, but not out of divine truth. Such a good friend Jesus is. <laughs> and Jesus then goes on to teach the disciples and us that if we want to follow Jesus, we have to deny our very selves, pick up our crosses, and follow him. So people in that time would know that picking up your cross means 
you're carrying it to your execution site. That's what it means. Now, before I, I enter into this, I think we need to remember that Peter and the other disciples are a colonized people, colonized by the Romans, with a colonized mindset. They had heard similar horrific expectations come for them from the Roman Empire. The Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome, that's what the Roman Empire liked to call itself, the peace of Rome, promised peace for denying oneself for the sake of the empire. For example, we'd get that peace if we took on the burden of taxation, forced labor, military conscription, and even sacrifice and death. The Roman emperor was literally called on stelae, which are these like, these like tablets that were set up. They were called the son of God. So when we see that child of God in scripture, or son of God, that's not in, an, in, in a vacuum. That's in opposition to the colonizer. And even on these stelae, it says and proclaims the gospel, the good news, according to Caesar. That is the world that they're living in. Colonized by the Romans. The promise was, look, whatever you, what you get for sacrificing for the empire, peace. Jesus saying something different. In losing your life, for Jesus' sake, you won't be lost. You won't gain the peace of Rome. Because that peace of Rome is established by violence. Jesus says in giving of yourself, in being lost, losing yourself for his sake, you don't get the peace of Rome. You gain your very self. See how that's just a little bit different? Just, you know, a smidge. We live in a world that is so focused on happiness and getting what we desire that in pop culture, when anyone's asked about what they want for their kids, it's almost like, already written, parents just say, I just want my kids to be happy. Well, sure, yeah. We don't want our kids to be miserable. But on the other hand, if we go about our lives like the Declaration of Independence says, you know, um, seeking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, if we pursue happiness, are we going to find it? I'm not sure. The people I know who, who chase after their own happiness most adamantly are some of the most miserable folks I know. 
That doesn't mean, you know, be miserable, by the way. Um, but if we get everything we want, will we be happy? I really think there is no filling the gaping maw of human desire. That's probably why, you know, the Buddha says that's what causes suffering, is desire. Are the billionaires of this world satisfied? They always seem to want to increase the stock price because that'll, 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 that'll make them happy. Maybe if you just spend an additional $500 million on a little bigger yacht, then you'll be happy. Chasing after that doesn't do much for human happiness. So Jesus has a different thing, a different way. But I want to, before I say what I'm gonna say, I feel like I need to make a caveat, give a disclaimer, something like that, what have you, um, about the language of self-sacrifice because it is fraught. Motivated by such language, humans have done all sorts of evil to ourselves and to others. Wars done, enabled by the sacrifice of soldiers, despite the pointlessness of them, we honor that sacrifice of soldiers. That's supposed to hallow the pointless war. The Crusades, back in the day, that the Christian Church promoted. Go conquer the Holy Land because that's what Jesus said to do in, um, I don't know which part of the Bible. Um, never mind, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> Women have been told to endure abuse as an honorable sacrifice honor their husbands, right? I hear that's still trumpeted once in a while today. I pray you haven't heard it from this pulpit, but um, still. Be wary of those who demand sacrifice and are unwilling to undertake such sacrifice themselves. It's easy to go to war if your children aren't going to be fighting it. It's easy to cut education funding because your kids are in private school or out of school. That language of sacrifice is easily abused. But I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't say starve yourself. In fact, what does Jesus get in trouble for doing? Eating too much with them sinners. It doesn't say starve yourself and you'll be blessed. Jesus eats well and feeds others. He seeks rest and time away to fulfill, to recharge 
even though he kind of still is hounded by folks. He's still trying to get away for a little bit. He's trying to take care of himself so he can do what he needs to do. He seeks friendship with his disciples and with others. He has friends. Nurtures those friendships. Even Jesus, you know, the sole child of God, isn't an isolated being. He gets great pleasure from all sorts of things in life. And my assumption then is that if Jesus is getting enjoyment and pleasure from such things, it's okay if we do. It's okay if we need to take care of ourselves. Because Jesus is not extracting sacrifices from his disciples. He's showing them that losing ourselves in service rather than seeking to serve ourselves is what saves us, is what brings about the gaining of self. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, for Jesus' sake, you'll save it. Well, what does losing yourself mean? There are lots of ways of thinking about losing oneself. One way that makes sense to me as someone who, I play the violin, I played in my college orchestra. Um, when we're learning to play an instrument or sing, it is effortful. When you're first learning an instrument, do you remember how long, if you've tried this, it took you to get a sound that didn't make you wanna, uh, Yeah, especially, you know, if you have a quarter-sized violin with a little bow, it's a, it's a little bit squeaky. <laughs> it takes effort. But when you reach a certain competence and you've practiced enough, you begin to lose yourself in the music. I don't know if you've experienced this. I remember that powerful joy and pleasure from losing myself in that college orchestra. Not feeling like I was making a big effort, I felt, if I'd practiced, right? It was just going through me. But was I lost? No, it's in such moments that I have felt most keenly and fully alive. When we're deeply engaged in a service, in work, we can enter a flow state where we forget ourselves. We're so immersed in it. We've lost ourselves, but have we? We're most ourselves in such moments. But we don't achieve such flow by inaction, but by discipline. 
man, I wish it weren't the case. I wish I didn't have to practice, right, David? Wouldn't that yes. be great? Just, just. And then you, you may have, you know, come across someone who can just they, a very complicated piano piece or something, and they'll just they can just read it, right? Well, they got that by not practicing. <laughs> that ability, right? So there is some sacrifice in this loss too, some effort that has to be made. It's not all great. I have a daughter who loves music. She plays, um, what does she play now? Piano and guitar and ukulele and she plays the euphonium and the band and she loves it all. And let me tell you how much she loves practicing. <laughs> but she, she loves music, but she, she'll, she'll pick up an instrument and like go toot and not so much anymore, but she'll say, well, I'm no good at that. I'm like, well, not yet you aren't, you know? You don't pick up a, an instrument and sound good. There are sacrifices that Jesus calls us to make, but Jesus doesn't extract them from the disciples the way Rome would extract, extract sacrifices from the people in its conquered lands. And the sacrifices, these sacrifices, as Jesus calls them and calls us into them, are not meant to feel terrible, but to be full of joy. But, but there is that reality that living into the, the world that Jesus is casting into our world doesn't always please everyone. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem and his death, he's not happy about this death. He's not like, I gotta go die to save humans from their sins. Hooray. It's more knowing the consequences of what he's doing. He knows how power reacts to someone like him. Someone who tells truths it doesn't want to hear. Someone whose life and message will turn the whole world on its head. Those in charge would prefer the world did not get turned on its head. Even if their lives would be immeasurably better. They're afraid of losing something. They don't want to lose themselves. They don't want to lose what they have. Because it's good to be the king. It's good to be Caesar. It feels good to be the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the ones in charge. They don't want to lose that. <clears throat> and they'll kill to keep it. Of course, that's not true today. You may have heard of um, Navalny in Russia who died in prison. I'm sure it was an accident.
Even if Jesus would make all our lives better, still, it leads to his death. So let's look at how this works out in our world today, in practical terms. And one sort of thing I, I like to think about is I, many of us, maybe all of us, would like to think if we saw a baby a child in the street with a car bearing down on it, we would run out and save that child and maybe sacrifice her life in the process. I would like to think I would do that. If I could make a cold, rational decision in the light of day, I would do it. Now, in the moment, would I have the nerve? I don't know. But let's say I could make a cold, rational decision. I would decide to do that. I hope most people would. Not that I want to die. It's not a death wish. But the point is, we would, if we could, sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others. Now, you know, it would be better if cars weren't allowed on the street our kids were on, but, you know, never mind that. Um, but I think this is, I, at least I hope it's true, whether we're liberal or conservative, whatever our ethnic or racial identity, we think about individual sacrifice and we are willing. But as a society, we might well sacrifice a child because we are unwilling to support that child or the family that takes care of them. But we wouldn't be willing to sacrifice children in our nation, would we? Spending the kind of resources it would take to take care of children is just a political non-starter. Or so I've heard. Children even now are being sacrificed on the altars of war in Gaza and elsewhere. On the altar of hysteria, of austerity, on the altar even now of border security along our southern border. Children are literally bearing the brunt of our unwillingness. You see, our willingness to sacrifice personally is not enough. We have to figure out how to lose ourselves in our love of neighbors so that we can join together like a finely tuned, well-prepared orchestra. So we can join in losing ourselves for the possible beauty and truth that Jesus embodies. To the possible beauty. It's not impossible. We can lose ourselves to the possible beauty. And it's beauty achieved not by killing ourselves, but by giving ourselves. And in this, Jesus says, is salvation.
Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.